Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, as always, good to see you. You as well, man. Uh, this is a, a really cool episode for us. It's a hard episode for us, a hard episode in some ways also, right? It, it, it fills us up. I had a coach used to coach Jay, uh, has been on the podcast. He, he used to say, my heart is full and it's coming out of my eyes. I think we had a few of those moments in the podcast today, Trevor Solom, a really good friend of ours, um, and an awesome coach. And we get to dive into how he's growing people and some of the hard challenges he's having in life. And it's a little bit longer episode, but, um, we were just having a conversation like we would a couple of buddies and, um, I'm excited to bring it to you guys. Before we get to the conversation, Jamie, no story, which I need you to, I'm prepping you for that right now. No stories. Yeah. yeah. What's something that went well this week in terms of you living eyes up with something that you are struggling with or working on? Um, work stuff, honestly, is a little bit challenging right now because school ended transition. So there's some, there's some transition stuff I'm struggling with. Um, that's just a challenge. Um, but I have been reading again a little bit more. I'm, I read what made Maddie run, uh, recently, and it is an incredibly powerful book and I read it in like a day and a half. So, um, really great stuff. How about you? So I think I've traveled this last week a little bit for some family stuff and getting back. So something that not going quite as well as I would love is I sometimes have a difficult time transitioning back to regular life. And so I'm working on kind of the having some grace for myself and the people around me. Um, And the thing that's going well, I guess I've been running. And our friend Luke, who now I, I mean, three, three in a row, three in a row. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Um, reached out and he said, Hey, you are a runner by definition and yeah. kind of challenged me on the, my claiming to not be a runner. And so I've worked on and it's gotten better in terms of the, just the language I use around that because it's a huge deal. So absolutely cool. I look forward to having those each week, Jamie. I think those are cool things that we can share and cause listeners you're dealing with stuff and it's sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't so appreciate you looking forward to sharing this conversation with trevor solem head golf coach minnewaska let's go trevor solem head boys golf coach minnewaska area high school also assistant football i think you coached wrestling at one point didn't you no wrestling junior no wrestling okay basketball uh, junior high B team basketball. Just want to make sure we get all of your resume out there. Well, uh, also guys, former baseball. Yeah. Coach. You forgot something baseball. vital here. I mean, Trevor, you, I live in your hometown. I live like a block and a half away from where you grew up. You graduated with my wife. And yet the reason I know you is because you coached junior high baseball with John. <laughs> yes. The, the seventh to his eighth at that point in time. Yeah. Which I th- I think you know had it not been for me stealing your your better players to to bring them to my team your team probably would have beat mine probably probably would have mostly just coaching I think there was one of those kids from that eighth grade class that 
ended up like sticking around with me because I moved to JV with them. Mm. Um, it wasn't I guess a that, lot of them that made it. I guess that says something about, you know, my baseball acumen and, uh, but we are not here to talk about me today. Trevor Solom, obviously a friend of ours. If you haven't figured that out by now, Trevor, uh, we've been talking about having you on for a long time and we have, you know, three or four conversations like this every week, you know, with one of us, if not both of us. So we are honored and blessed to have you here today. So thanks for being willing to join us for a conversation. Yeah, no problem. I've been waiting for my call for a while. So I, I think it's funny that you guys are talking about being baseball coaches and that's kind of how, how all of our relationships started yet. Like the reason we're really in this conversation is because you coach golf now and uh, a different spring sport. And we, I mean, anybody that's listening to the podcast knows that all, you know, John is a big time golfer. I like to play golf and I got to be a part of your week last week, which was the, the section meet and uh, you know, I know it didn't end up the way that you guys wanted to, but walk us through a little bit of what your expectations were going in and how your, how your guys responded. Cause I think that's a really big part of this conversation. I think it's a big frame for the conversation generally is like how that all went. Cause I don't know that it would have went that way a year or two ago. Yeah. So we came in with pretty high expectations for the season. We, we had six players that could go out and play some pretty good golf. Um, you know, we went in, set a team goal to shoot 310 on day one. Uh, we missed that by one. We shot 311. Uh, the team that was in first place shot 310. So we were right where we needed to be. Um, and if anybody knows anything about golf, the emotional roller coaster that can happen on the golf course, it, it's a guarantee um, no matter which player you are, if you're the A guy or if you're the, the D guy or the one or the six for high school, um, you know, that that's the thing that you have to be able to manage the most. Um, and we did a pretty good job of it. We gave a few away on day one. Um, day two, you know, we said we got to be down under 310 in order to, be able to compete in this thing and we did we shot 307 um, the best round that I've had coaching with in my four years um, super proud of my guys but we just got we couldn't keep up the team that beat us fired off a 295 so their top four scores added together um, we we just didn't have the, the firepower yes we gave some back um, but you know looking back on it right now I don't probably weren't a better team. Um, if we had put it all together, we could have been close to them. Um, but, you know, obviously second place in the section of the 15 teams is pretty good. I did have an individual that won the section. Um, so he's going to be moving on to state. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, but I guess my message for the most part was, you know, let's go out and compete. Let's have fun um, and let's enjoy it while we're out there. One of the things that struck me while I was there, and I and I didn't text you this afterwards because I knew we were having you on the podcast, is how proud I was of the way that you interacted with your athletes in comparison to some of the other coaches out there. Like you just are constantly reaffirming them. You got a hand on the shoulder, a hand on the head, giving them confidence, giving them what we call good juice here at Eyes Up, right? Giving them a ton of good juice constantly. 
And it's just not what you see at every high school or youth sporting event. And I was so encouraged. And like I said, just proud to, to call you a friend because your kids, the second you got done with the interaction with them, their body language changed, right? It went from being frustrated or down, head down, eyes somewhere else to kind of coming back to the moment and giving them something to focus on. What sort of things are you telling them in those moments when they're getting frustrated or is it just, you know, Hey, I love you. I care about you. Let's go. So yes to both of those things or the second part. The first part is, um, the last thing I talk to a kid about before they're getting ready to hit a shot. So if they're in trouble or if they're in the fairway or wherever they are is, uh, see the shot, uh, have confidence, finish your swing and go get them, you know, something in that order along those lines, just to reaffirm if there's a fist pump, if there's a, a high five or whatever. Um, but you gotta be confident. You gotta finish your swing, um, and go get them. Like, I'm, I don't want to take a club away from the kid. If they could see it in their head, man, go for it. Let's do this and I'll get out of their way. Uh, but you know, my kids know that I, I care about every single one of them, talk about it all the time with them. Um, there's hugs on the course, there's tears on the course, um, there's laughs, there's high fives, and it probably all happens on every single hole um, with all of them. But, uh, you know, I, the shoulder thing is big and we really pushed it this year. Your shoulders are down, you're in trouble, you know, not only physically with your golf swing, but mentally. So you really have to make sure that you're maintaining the, the posture when you're out of the course so you can keep your eyes up and you can see what you got coming ahead of you. So Trev, after day two, you go out and shoot 307. You said best score that your team's ever shot, you know, in a, in a single um, round. And you end up, like you said, a little bit short. What's the message to the kids? What was their response to that? And what was your message to them, you know, in that moment when you realize, hey, we played really well today, but it wasn't, just wasn't good enough today. Yeah. I, you know, I made sure to let all my guys know how proud I was of the way that we played. Um, everybody improved from day one to day two, you know, minus a, a couple things here and there. And, and as a coach, looking at the bigger picture of things other than not winning the section, that's exactly what you want. Um, you want improvement from day one to day two or from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Um, and the, the message that I reiterated was, not necessarily always about golf. Yeah, our score was better, but, um, you know, I can think of a hundred different moments on the course that I was able to watch a kid be able to mentally prepare himself for situations and to be able to go from down in the dumps to, to being able to manage yourself on the course to get through that snowball effect that, you know, you got to try and make sure you stay away from. So, you know, the message that I sent was about how proud I was of the way they played and how much, you know, growth I saw, not only as a golfer, but, you know, as, as humans in general, to just kind of make sure that you're able to, to manage yourself better because there's no other game closer to life than golf um, when it comes to managing those emotions. So um, we talk about that a lot. What, what was the response from the, from the boys? Cause I know I've been in that situation. You know, my, I played golf, my sophomore, junior and senior year, uh, fortunate enough to go to the state tournament, my sophomore year. Um, and then my senior year, we shot a three Oh one in the last round. And back then it was just, you know, you played two rounds at different times. It wasn't a cumulative score, but 
we shot a 301 and thinking, man, we're in good shape. And we, you know, we lose by three or four to a, a Staples team that just played better. As a player, it was like, just like a gut punch at the end. And then you start to go back through. Did you have any conversations like that with your kids where they were reflecting on their rounds either, you know, that day or the previous day where it's like, man, I, I know I left some out there kind of where they started. You started to see them go down that road of blame or what if, or et cetera. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I had one senior in particular that was, really struggled coming down the stretch and he wasn't he wasn't handling it well he was playing really well up until about hole 14 and then he was able to hold it together for a couple more and then 17 and 18 you know really got to him and he, he threw some strokes away and he was having a hard time getting down the fairway on 18 both physically and you know emotionally you could see it um, from 400 yards away and I, I kind of started with him but for the most part, my guys kind of saw what they did on the course and, and knew that they left some out there. Um, but most of them were pretty proud of the way that they played and, and, and being able to improve from day one or maintain from day one to day two without having the major um, major letdowns minus the, the one kid who struggled. You know, we got beat. Um, we got beat by a better team. And I made sure to let the kids know that, that, they were better that day. You know, we could talk about all the strokes that we left out there, but then we're, we're dwelling on stuff that, you know, could hinder us moving forward when, you know, you got a kid that goes out and fires a 76 two days in a row. And he's only thinking about the, the two shots that he left out there rather than the, the 76 that he hit that were so awesome that I think it's more beneficial for them to look back and say, we did so many things well, you know, let's, we can talk about a couple of the bad things, but let's concentrate on what we did well. And we got beat by a better team that day. So kudos to them and hopefully they're successful. And, you know, I think it's good for us to focus on those positives moving forward because I got a pretty young team for the most part. So all these guys are going to be back in this position, hopefully in the future. And, you know, we can look and say, Hey, we had a lot of good stuff going. Let's build on that. I think that's a really powerful message because it's not just coaches listening right now. It's parents too. And, and one of the things that we do as, as fans of the game, right. And fans of sport fans of interactions is to talk about the ways that we might've done it differently. Right. We talk about, Oh, if I was the coach, I would have done this or what, you know, what are the Vikings doing on Sunday doing that thing, you know? And we, we forget that when we're coaches and parents, sometimes that's not at all what the athlete needs to grow, right? We, that's us being fans and being critical and doing some different things. You know, the what ifs and the should haves and all these things. Sometimes it's just really, really important to focus on. Actually, there were a lot of really great shots and you maybe played your best round of the year when it mattered the most and it, it wasn't good enough and that's okay. Like it's okay for it not to be good enough, you know? And, and I think, as a parent, you know, for those of you guys out there that have kids that are going into co competitive seasons or whatever it might be, like just being able to step away and say, you know what, let's focus on the really good things because they are already paying attention to the bad things, right? Because that's where our mind goes to as humans. And um, I don't know, I just, I was really encouraged, as I said previously, like to, to watch 
just like the body language is really good most of the time, you know, and you said you could see it from 400 yards away. I was talking to Tony, the girls coach at Minnewaska. And he said, one of the things we worked on is like, I don't want to be able to know how you're playing golf from across the fairway. Like, um, and I thought that was powerful, uh, cause I hadn't thought of it that way. It's like, well, you can see it from a mile away uh, out there because you're wide open and, and how easy it is. Cause you're kind of by yourself and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, there's not a question in there, but it's just, it's just a thought I think needs to be just addressed because so many of us take it home or take it somewhere where it's not helping to think back and to look back and to say, what if, well, and that happens. I mean, that's the natural response for us in our day to day too, right? We think back about the, the, a lot of times we think about the bad stuff that happened that day, not the incredible, ah, trying to travel. I don't know. I'm trying to stop saying incredible, incredible. So if you have another word for me, you know, help, help, help me out here. But that's how we, that's how we live our lives. A lot of times, right? We, we don't think about the good stuff that we did. We think about that one interaction that we had that maybe didn't go as well. That one, you know, uh, call that we didn't do our best, whatever, but Trev, I want to go back. You know, we have a concept. We talk a little bit about zooming in and zooming out. So, so far we've been kind of zoomed in on recent results, but I want to zoom out for a second because you have been with, I mean, obviously we've been friends for longer than this, but you've been with Jamie and I from the beginning when we started Eyes Up Mindset and, and your programs have been an integral part of our growth. And hopefully we've provided some value to you along the way, but Tell us a little bit about your experience because your team wouldn't have always responded that way that they did after they get second at the section meet, you know, getting beat by a better team. They wouldn't probably have responded that way a few years ago before you kind of took over and started doing some more things intentionally around the mental side of performing. Yeah. If I look back at my first year coaching, um, I had, I had some pretty decent talent on the team. In my first year coaching golf, um, I hadn't really started any of this stuff yet. Um, and I, I think about what happened. We didn't even qualify for day two of the section meet. I had a previous um, section winner state entrant on my roster. Um, I had my two seniors this year were golfing at that point in time. Um, and I had some other kids that had been in the program for a while. And I look at what we were not able to accomplish at that point in time. And it gets boiled down to that, not being able to manage yourself when the snowball happens. Um, and I kind of reflected a little bit on that over those, that first year and kind of into the second year is when we started doing a little bit more intentional work with, with some of the stuff about, you know, managing your emotions, managing your behaviors on the course, you know, not letting some of those things get you the control, what you can control type things when you're out golfing. Um, and then it's kind of progressed from there to having you guys come and visit with the team, um, talking with you daily, essentially about what it is that, you know, we can handle how we can handle the different situations. But I think back that if I would have been able to implement you know, the stuff that I'm working on right now with the, some of the performance journaling and the, the, um, the intentional tracking of, of different stats and things like that, even during practice, just to show the kids like, hey, you started off making three putts at 
12 feet and now we're up to, you know, seven putts at 12 feet or your average is five and a half or whatever, um, just to show them improvement because confidence is a big thing too. And, and to be able to see that um, and to show them backing it up, even though maybe it's not happening on the course, it's taking place in practice. And when you're intentional with that practice, it's going to translate at some point in time for you. So, um, you know, I think it, any golf coach that isn't implementing things along this line is, is really holding some of his players back um, from, from really improving and blossoming. So I'm curious because we talk a lot about how like seeing progress, you know, and I, when I say we, I mean the three of us in casual conversation, not necessarily with other groups, but how seeing some version of progress is like a manipulation towards your motivation you know like it's this thing that we we need to see to feel like we're moving so that we continue to want to put in the effort to grow and i'm curious as to like why people don't do it and then i'm going to come to this thing that you talked about this performance journaling about a year ago a little bit more than a year ago i put out a challenge to our group to do something over the course of time to help ourselves grow and improve as, as people. And you chose to journal daily. How much has that shaped your perspective around some of this stuff? Uh, that's a tough question for me. I, I absolutely love journaling. Um, and I'm actually doing two different journals right now. One is more of a freelance and one is more of a answer to a, a post um, out of Mr. Ryan Holiday's journal. Um, and it's, it's an, like, it is part of my day. Like I miss it if it doesn't happen and to be able to sit and, and reflect or to, to, to plan out or to kind of see things from a different perspective, depending on, you know, what the question is or what I'm thinking or whatever is going through my head at the time, um, you know, to, to see that and then to go back and to look at it, you know, it's, I, I can't recommend it enough to anybody, um, just, you just got to jump in and do it too. Don't sit and dwell, just jump in and start. And, and how, much, how often do you have your athletes check in with something like not, I know that you do it in a different way, but how often are your athletes checking in with some version of progress marking, like a journal or performance journal or something like that? So two years ago, I did it every single day. And, and that was, it got to be too much. Um, and the kids didn't get the value out of it that I wanted them to. Um, so now we kind of, we look at, at statistics once a week, probably, and those are mostly on course ones. Um, we have them do their tracking when we're doing their putting stuff, um, on the course. I mean, that's just a specific day that I'm going to say, all right, we're tracking today. And then we'll look at those numbers when we're done with that. Um, I check in with my players once a week on more of a personal level, um, to see how the goals are coming. Um, to see how life is going, to see how school is going, to see how the golf game is, um, just building that connection, um, you know, and whatever else I can do to help at that point in time. And I, you know, once a week or twice a week, you know, is, is pretty typical for, for us to do that or for me to do that. I'm going to get a little bit granular here. Like, how does that progress through the course of the year? Like, do you see early in the spring? they're a little bit reticent to talk about life stuff and then it progresses or what does that look like? Yeah. So it's a little bit different because I've been around four of these kids that have been golfing on varsity now for multiple years. 
I did have two junior high kids or eighth graders that were with me for the first time this year. So my two seniors, we can sit down and talk about anything. Um, and they're open with me. Um, and, and they, they like it. I mean, they're, they're diving into whatever it is that I want to talk about. Um, and it, it kind of, I don't know that, that decays the younger you get. I mean, I have an eighth grader that for him to sit still and talk with me about a real conversation is it's a struggle. Um, not being able to sit still eye contact is difficult. He looks extremely uncomfortable and you know, that, that progression is hopefully going to grow to where my seniors are now with him, where he's going to be okay sitting down and talking to me about duck hunting or whatever it is that he wants to do. Um, you know, maybe about life, maybe about school, whatever it is. And some of that, some of that, like you said, is just a maturity. It's a process of him growing up, him getting more comfortable with you, but it's also you as a coach investing that time and continuing to invest that time. I think back, you know, you talk about the seniors from this year, Jamie and I were fortunate enough to be there when they were younger. Right. And to see them, I, I just think back to that very first time that we came and spoke and seeing those guys, like what in the world are these two doofuses standing in front of us trying to talk about, you know, setting goals and visualization and like what in the world is going on here. And to now have, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at your practice the week before you competed and to, to be able to have conversations with those same kids about stuff that they have progressed and matured in the mental side, not only physically, certainly they've become better golfers, but like you said, it's as they continue to grow and get more confident in themselves, it's such a cool thing to be able to connect with them and say, hey, how is life? Because that matters in your performance too. You know, and so when yeah. you invest in them and you're following up with them, that is a huge measure of how they're going to go out and perform on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I had one senior this year that he really struggled to start off the school year and or to start off the season. He was not shooting numbers that were anywhere close to what, you know, that he, he wanted to, but what he was capable of and the, the difficult conversation that was had to have with him that, you know, I don't need you to shoot the scores right now. I get it. It's frustrating. It's not where you want to be, but I need you to be the senior that you're supposed to be. And, and to be that leader for these eighth graders and ninth graders that I have out here. And he kind of looked at me funny the first time I talked to him about it. Um, and as the season progressed, he turned into the, the leader that I needed him to be. And, he had the eighth graders under his wing and then his score started to improve. Um, and the more we talked about the different things that I wanted him to be doing at practice and, and how uh, we should conduct ourselves when we're on the course and in the van, the more he was stepping up to being the example for all those kids. And then his scores even got better by the end of the year, he was shooting right where he wanted to be. Um, and he was that leader that, that we needed to kind of get us to, to that next step. So it's kind of funny how that worked out hand in hand that, you know, he saw the importance no matter what his scores were. Um, and then we ended up using all of his scores when we came down the stretch and he was able to, to get those young kids in a great place for me, you know, kind of the, the coach outside the coach type thing. I think that that really brings me back to a, a different place in our life in some ways because 
what I've found in my personal life is when you get some of the things dialed in the, the more important stuff, right? Not necessarily the scores or the outcomes, but like being self-aware, being engaged with personal growth, like learning, you know, being a leader, taking on the role of leadership somewhere, all of a sudden the periphery stuff becomes a whole lot easier. And I think back, we sat in your basement, Trev, the three of us, and we had a whiteboard talking about how we were going to be football coaches someday, right? We were talking about how we're going to be head football coaches. You're the son of a football coach, a legend in the state of Minnesota. Um, And that was something all of us had desired to do and be. And we were talking X's and O's and we're talking about practice plans and strategies and all this stuff. We're probably 25, right? I mean, it was 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And at some point it changed from X's and O's and strategy and all of the stuff that is periphery in some ways to how do we grow each other as human beings and as people and as coaches, how do we build our athletes? Like, John and I have had this conversation and you and I have had this conversation. You and John have had this conversation, but we probably haven't had it for the three of us. Like when did that change for you? What was that? What did it take to see? It's not about all of the stuff, but it's kind of about this little core. And then when you get that right, everything else gets better. I don't know that I can actually put like an exact time on it. Um, I, over the last, three years for sure have been concentrating on it more in golf um, and more in football. Um, you know, I, I coach offensive line and defensive line in football, and we've got a pretty tight knit group there. So pretty comparable to go from, you know, the eight kids I'm working with in golf to the eight kids I'm working with, you know, on the football field. But, you know, I, all of those kids know that I care about them. Um, and all of those kids know that I will run through a brick wall for them. Um, and if they don't get that message from me, then why would I expect it out of them? Um, but you know, I just, I see performance go better when that connection is made and when they want to be at practice and when they want to put in that work and they listen better when they know that you're there to, to help them as not only a football player or a golfer, but as a person. Um, and I, I can't give a direct time of when it changed but it was almost like a light switch like I am probably not that good of an offensive line coach but I'm a good people person so I can teach you your one two three steps and who you need to block but I can I'm pretty sure I can teach you how to be a pretty good human being and a nice kid or a whatever it is and we can go from there yeah we we had a, a guest on a couple of weeks ago Aaron Moberg a good another good friend of ours and teammate and and he said this is a relationship business coaching is a relationship business period when they believe that you care they will they will give you more effort than you ever ask of them um i need to get hooked up with him i need to get hooked up with him that was a great a great podcast get him on again so i can listen some more let's get him out golfing or something so we can dive in a little bit more no question yeah I, I walked away energized big time from that. Same thing. I think every time we have these conversations, we walk away energized because it is a relationship thing that we develop here. And, and I don't know, I think about how we, you know, have grown together, right? Garden friends, right? We, we grow together and I, and I want to encourage people 
right? The, the stuff that is not easy has been the stuff that has made us grow. Trevor and I both teachers. And so when we drive three or four hours out to, to deer hunt in South Dakota, we're having hard conversations, maybe not the first hour, right? The first hour we're talking <laughs> fantasy football or fantasy golf or something. And then it starts to get into like, how do we change this thing? How do we change this thing that we're struggling with? How do we get better so that we can push each other? And I, I just encourage people to have those sort of conversations and to let people in, you know, to let people in on the hard stuff that's going on because it shapes us and because it changes us. And, and these sort of conversations were the reason we wanted to have the podcast anyway, is because those sort of topics, those things that we're unwilling to talk about are where relationships are rooted. And, and I don't know, I think there's, there's incredible value in that. And then there's incredible value in doing that with your athletes, because then you get more from, then you get that relationship to draw out. Well, and, and you, you talked about something, Jamie, you know, doing it with your athletes and talking about hard things and having those conversations. And, and Trev, I know, you know, we talked before we recorded here, you're going through some stuff personally with, with your own health. And, you know, you've been battling some stuff since you were a, a kid and on and off. And, and I think, you know, I, I know we asked you to share and, and hopefully you could, you'll share whatever you're willing to share in that journey. But I think just being the model for your team this year and, and being willing to say, Hey, I'm going to be there when I can be there and I'm going to give it everything that I have when I'm there, but I also have to go take care of this other stuff. So I have more to say about it before I, but before I start crying even more, I maybe just tell us a little bit about kind of, your own personal journey this year and, and maybe how you've managed to, I mean, come out smiling and, you know, continuing to pour into those kids when it, many people out there would have just said, Hey, look guys, this is too much. I got to deal with my own stuff and, you know, I'll, I'll be there in spirit, but I, I can't be there cause I got to take care of this other stuff. Yeah, so I'm probably going to be right there crying with you here eventually. All juiced up on steroids. Hopefully I don't throw my iPad. We'll just stick on the, the other side of the emotions. But yeah, uh, beginning of March, I was diagnosed with cancer um, for the second time in my life. This one's a little bit more difficult than the first one. The first one, I was 13 years old. I was ignorant, naive, had no idea what was going on. Um, I showed up because my dad brought me there, was run through the gamut of treatment at at that point in time, when I was when I was a teenager, between uh, chemo, radiation, uh, a surgery, and a bone marrow transplant, roughly about two years of time um, from that what was it the spring of my seventh grade year until I think it was somewhere in ninth grade when I started going back to school full time again, you know, and and I've been dealing with things from that, you know, off and on, you know, over the course of the last twenty-ish years or so, but. You know, that was kind of past me at that point in time. Um, but moving forward into March of this past year, I had some stuff going on health-wise and just wasn't <clears throat> excuse me, feeling quite right. And I, uh, uh, I went in and had a biopsy done and it came back positive for some, for some cancer. I, I don't know a lot of details about it and I, I don't really care to know. Um, just the more I know about it, the more I think about it. Um, but I do know that it's, uh, you know, I, my doctor team is, is working hard on making sure that I, 
am going through the right treatment right now. I'm down at the Mayo Clinic. Um, was grateful to get in and have a, a, a great team put together to help me out down there. So I've gone through about four treatments now. Um, I'm going through, um, can't think of it right now, uh, immunotherapy. Um, so I go down about every three or four weeks and get a, an infusion done and taking a pill every day for that. Um, had some side effects, but for the most part, I've been feeling pretty good. Um, ran into a little bit of a hiccup here and there along the way, kind of on a little bit of a setback right now with the treatment stuff. I've just got some numbers that aren't quite where they need to be in order to move forward with it. So that's kind of where the whole treatment thing stands at this point in time. You know, if I, I go back, I, I talked to my golf team. They were some of the first kids that I talked to or some of the first people I talked to outside of my family. Um, and I just told them that, hey, unless things get to a point that I physically can't be there, I, I'm going to be there for you guys this year. Um, you know, I, I'm invested into the program. I'm invested into the kids. Um, but, you know, it's also something that helps take my mind kind of away from some of the stuff that that's going on. And it's been a big part of that. Um, there were times where I wasn't able to be at practice or at uh, an event, but, you know, it, it worked itself out. And I think the kids saw that I was, that I was invested and that I was ready to go and that I was going to give it my all, you know, and with a smile on my face, you know, I, I can't go about it any other way. So that's kind of where I'm at now. We talk about take a step, you know, take a step today, one day at a time, right? Get better or grow together. How much does this diagnosis being the second time around being that you're a dad now and have a family of your own like how much is that magnified in these moments so i was thinking about this the other day like had i had i know what i know now back when i went through it the first time how much different it would have been you know i i have grown probably more in the last three months as a person than i have you know, that J curve kind of took off on me there. We yeah. hit the, we hit March and it shot straight up. You know, I, the stuff that we talked about with golf is the stuff that I've got going on in my real life right now. So I'm, you know, the journaling, um, the reflecting, the, the communication, the, the having the difficult conversations, um, you know, not only in my personal life, but in my professional life, uh, it has, you know, it has made me grow immensely in the fact that I can have a difficult conversation with pretty much anybody at this point in time. And that was something that I struggled with for a long time. I wanted nothing to do with, with any of those things. And now I look back and I'm like, that conversation's pretty easy in comparison to the one that I just had with Dr. A, B, C, and D, you know, two weeks ago. Um, you know, communication with my wife was something that we struggled with. And now we're in the best place that we've been in. And I don't know how long um, if my kids listen to me a little bit better. That would be a bonus. But um, the three and a half and six year old that run around and terrorize my life are <laughs> I love them both. But they are a handful. But we're working on that one. So, you know, another good distraction to have, you know, and not that I want to push the diagnosis off or the treatment off or anything like that. But, you know, to be able to clear my mind with a journal or to talk with you guys or, you know, whatever it is, that definitely, definitely plays a role in, 
and what I got going on. You all right, John? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You know, I, I sent a text message to you guys, you know, pretty early on when I, after the diagnosis, and this one's probably going to bring the tears out for me, but, you know, had you guys not started some of this stuff, I probably am not introduced to any of the, the, the eyes up side of things in life. You know, depression, anxiety is something that's been there with me since I've been, you know, gone through that first treatment. And, you know, I'm not a big pill guy. Like, I don't, I don't want to deal with it in that way. Working out is my way. Going for a walk, hunting, fishing, golfing, all those activities. Um, sometimes that's not quite enough. But, you know, grateful for you guys starting your journey because I think it, maybe it was meant to be that you guys started it. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, we have all these things that we, we say all the time and I have, you know, the live eyes up on my hat and the, this wall behind me. And the, the reality is you, you saying that, and the, the reality of the situation is every day you are the example that we can, we can draw from in saying, that's a, that's a dude that's doing what we are trying to teach and what we are trying to do, you know? And so it's, it's cool to hear you say that. And I think, you know, everything, I think we all probably believe that things happen for a reason in this life. And if you're willing to see the connectivity of those things, uh, even, even cooler, but I, yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm grateful for you continuing to provide that example, not only for your team and those parents that of those kids and all the other coaches that you interact with, but, um, but for us and, and for me personally. And, I think back to coach Jay, right. <laughs> and he with teary eyes on this podcast said it can't be just words. It can't be just words. And, and if I am grateful for anything, as John said, is that as a group, we have begun to live this way and we need models consistently. And sometimes I fail and I need to look at John and sometimes I fail and I need to look at you and uh, the other members of our community that lift us up. And uh, I am, I'm so proud to call you a friend and we love you and we care about you and we want nothing but the best for, for you and your journey. And however we can help, let us know, man, because you know, we're here. Yeah, for sure. I have, I, I am one podcast behind, so I've listened to the rest and you guys just keep doing that. That helps me take at least 45 minutes out of my day typically. So, um, yeah, I, I am, I'm grateful to have you guys in my life also, you know, the other two that aren't in this group too fit in very nicely, but yeah, I like it better when we can do it in, in real life instead of on real computers, but some not always, not always possible. John moves too much for that. Yeah. Come on now. So Trev, let me, I just want to, before we let you go here, I, I want to bring it back to coaching and, and kind of the journey of mental skills and mental performance. Cause ultimately when we zoom out, that's kind of our basis of what we're doing here. I had a, co a conversation with a coach yesterday, a college volleyball coach. And he's like, look, we're really good. The piece that's missing is our, the mental side of our performance right now. And I'm, I'm working on that, but I, part of me doesn't really know where to start. And so I think there is a lot of coaches potentially listening right now that are in that same spot where it's like, I want to do something. You've been down that road. You're four or five years down that road. Now you've learned a lot of things, but what's something that you would say to those coaches that are know that that's what they need, 
but aren't sure how to get there and what it all entails, but how do they even start that process and what's your encouragement to them? I would say to, to look at a big picture about, you know, what's the, what's the specific thing that you want to try to improve? Is it managing your emotions on the court or on the course? Um, is it to be able to, to perfect a skill or whatever it is that you want to try and dial into? Um, you, you have to come up with a way to measure it. And you have to come up with a way to teach it and you have to come up with a way for them to understand it. Um, and, you know, I, if I look at golf from this year, um, the, the thing that I wanted my kids to be able to do more than anything else was to manage themselves emotionally on the golf course. So we talked about when the snowball is going to start because it's inevitable that it's going to happen. It's going to, there's going to be a bad hole. How are you going to uh, get your way through that? your body language that you're putting off not only affects your golf swing, but it affects your emotions. So you need to make sure that you have your shoulders high all the time. And those were the two things that I, I really hammered home this year when I was talking to the kids. Um, so we, we, you know, talking with Jamie, we developed our, our trigger word and we developed our swing flow and then our, our saying for our swing flow. And then from there, we talked about our body language. And then we, we move forward and I kind of looked at the, the big picture of what it was that I wanted to do. So you definitely have to be able to measure it and look at it and, and make sure that they can understand it. So sometimes it's not going to be in, you know, Jamie's technical terms. It's going to be in, you know, John and I's conversation about what we need to do something or how we need to get it done um, just so they can understand and, and apply it. Um, and that's, if they can't do that, then you got to start over and, you know, sometimes it starts with a dart throw and, you know, sometimes it starts with a little bit more planned stuff, but um, just start and do it and, and adjust as you go along because, and that's you showing the example, like, oh, trial and error. This didn't work. Let's go back and try it again. That's such unbelievable advice because you don't, like, you're not going to be perfect walking out the gate. It's just, it's just not. And we aren't in our, you know, like there are things that we do that I'm like, man, that wasn't very good. We need to, I'm sorry, you know, like I'll give you more if, if necessary. And, and the reality is like, you're going to make mistakes. We're going to, we're going to have steps forward and steps backwards. Like, but if you don't ever start, you got no chance. And to, to jump on that just a little bit, like let your team know, you know, that one's on me. No, I, I didn't do it right. We're going to try this this time. We'll see if it works. See if we get better. Cause if they see you fail and move forward from it, like that's, yeah. that's a good lesson for them too. I love the simplicity of that, Trev. You know, you said, and basically what I heard you, how I interpreted what you said was pick something that you're going to focus on. You can't do it all at once. Right. And yeah. I know, and not that you made this mistake. I certainly made this mistake as a first time head coach. I wanted to do it all at once. Right. And that's true of the, program development. That's true of the, the X's and O's. It's true of the mental stuff. Let's do it all in year one. Well, that doesn't work, right? Identify one thing. And I just wrote this down and then you, I wrote, I didn't, you didn't even say it yet. And I wrote it down and then you articulated it so well, but it's identify what you want, make a plan, practice it and adjust, right? Like, and then you, you just went through that. And I think that's incredible. So if you're a coach out there listening, you want to start and implement these things, Take Trevor's advice, identify one thing that you want your team to focus on and improve and make a plan, practice it, and then adjust as you need to. Trev, 
Awesome to have you, man. Uh, I look forward to the next time we get to have you on. Yeah, let's not wait. It's quite so long this next time. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you guys. Take it easy, Trev. Thanks again to our good friend, Trevor, for joining us. Always a good time to catch up. Jamie, lots of takeaways today. Um, obviously an emotional segment there at the end, but you know, if you're a coach or you're a parent or an athlete out there, there's a ton of takeaways I think you can pick out of this thing. And we were just talking again before we hit record here, but what stood out to you? Cause I think you said something and I cut you off and said, let's just record because it's going to be good. Yeah. It's, he's talking about an athlete that maybe wasn't scoring the way that he wanted to early in the year. And he said, let's not worry about the score. Let's just do the other things I need from you. As in you're a senior, be a leader, start to figure out how to kind of shepherd these young kids into being better golfers, better leaders, whatever it might be. And his scores started to take care of themselves, right? He started to score better. And then he started to dial in even more to the stuff that wasn't the score on the course. And then the scores came. And I just think that's so relevant. And I've seen it personally in my life is when I, when I focus on the core of who I am, when I focus on the important stuff that matters to my community, when I focus on the important stuff that matters to my family, all of a sudden I'm out running. I'm taking care of myself physically. I'm eating better. I'm uh, journaling. I'm doing the things that I want to be doing that add up to a better scorecard, right? In life, days go better because I've focused on the core of who I am and who I want to be. And I think that that as an athlete, like can be transformational also work on getting better and the work on getting better in every area of your life or the core focus area of your life, whether that's faith or, uh, you know, improvement or reading, whatever, you know, and then it's going to improve somewhere else too. No, I think in the, and that zooms out to the team aspect of it too, where we talked about at the end, right. His, his challenge or his encouragement to coach is like identify, right identify your core and he didn't he didn't necessarily go the next step and say it will improve everything by proxy when you start to focus on something you know and you identify this is the key thing that we're going to work on as a team make a plan practice it and then adapt but i think that's so true and and a lot of times again when we when we try to do too many things we try to focus on too many things that we are going to change in our life it ends up just being mediocre. It seems I, I, it, it's hard to wrap my head around sometimes because it's like, no, I need to be intentional about all of these areas all the time. But how have we learned over the last year and a half or two years that when we try to do that, it's actually a negative because we're trying to do too much rather than saying, Hey, we're going to narrow in. We're going to focus on this one area. And by again, by proxy, it impacts those other things. Well, our attention, we get better at attending, right? We get better at attending to the important things. So then when the new thing comes, we're not attending to the periphery of that thing. We're attending to the important part of that thing that we're getting at. And so it, it focuses our attention, which let's just face it. Most of us aren't very good at, you know? And I think when, when we bring back to, to Trevor's story, like a, a diagnosis, like he's been dealt with a hand that he's been dealt makes you focus on 
the important stuff in life. And what did he say in the last three months? He's grown more as a person than he has in a long, long time. And I think it's directly related. You know, I think it's directly related to this idea that when we focus specifically on something, when we attend to who we are becoming, all of it starts to fall into place. No doubt. A couple of asks from you guys as listeners. One, appreciate your continued support of us and what we are doing. It helps us a ton when you share our podcast, our YouTube channel, Eyes Up Mindset, rate, review, all of those things. But the bigger thing on my heart right now, Jamie, Trevor, you know, he's going through these things. He never would and never has asked for anything from us. Um, but we're doing some stuff for him and a group. His communities are immense and they care a lot about it. He's poured a lot into the places that he has been and they're looking to give back now. We have a benefit plan for him August 15th. It's in Glenwood, Minnesota. So if you live in that area, by all means, it's at Minnewaska House from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's a silent auction games, food, you know, the whole thing. We'd love to see you there. If you are listening and you're like, I don't know Trevor, but he's an awesome dude. And he, you know, my wife the other day was like, Trevor's a hero. He's continuing, he's battling this thing, right. And still pouring into everybody else. But if you're out there and you want to support him and his family, uh, you can send financial donations to at Solem Strong, S-O-L-E-M Strong uh, on Venmo. Or if you are out there and you're like, hey, I have a silent auction item, I'd like to donate or I'd like to give in that way. We're going to have all of those notes in our, our show notes and also reach out to us. We'll get you connected to those people. Let's, let's uh, let him feel the love and him and his family have been incredible. Uh, again, not only to our lives, Jamie, but to the communities they've been in. So let's uh, rally around and, and support them as well. But anything else before we wrap no, it up? I just I think his toughness in this time and the example he set for these kids and for his community, uh, I am, I'm in awe of, of who he is and the, the mark he's, he's leaving and will continue to leave on, on that place. And, um, we would really appreciate your support and, in helping us, uh, pull this thing off in the coolest way we can. So. Thank you for, again, supporting us, supporting Trevor. Get after it today. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>